All righty. Um, today for our practice, we are continuing this wonderful exploration for the month of December, looking at the dual nature of dark and light, shadow and illumination, wakefulness and sleepiness, clarity and confusion. And one of the reasons why, one of the motivations that I have um, of uh, bringing this particular topic forward at this particular time of year is we have a season in the Northern Hemisphere, in the Pacific Northwest, we have an elemental happening where the days are shortening, the, li- the night is lengthening, it's getting darker and darker and darker. And we can feel that energetically. And you can even feel it in your body. W- often what happens is the shoulders curl in, the uh, gut and the core of the body begins to slowly collapse, and we go darker and darker and inward and inward. And then come solstice, December 21st, we um, return to the light and we feel brighter and we can start to sit up taller and things become a little bit more clear. So we want to play with this time. We want to use this time as a way to engage our fearlessness, our resiliency, to go into those landscapes within our own life experience that might be shady, might be dark, might be shadowed. We're going to do this intentionally, deliberately, gently. And one of the things that I really want to emphasize as a preface to this practice is we are here on the journey of recovery because most of us have habit energy of being highly negative toward ourselves. We have a habit energy of repeating and focusing on fixating on all of the qualities that we possess as whole human beings that are not particularly noble, not particularly skillful, not particularly beneficial. But because we're so hyper-fixed on that, we inflate it, we distort it, and we elbow out all the qualities that we also possess as whole human beings that are extraordinary, brilliant, kind, soft, beautiful. So this practice is about inviting ourselves to open up to the bothness of this, to look at our shadow with a degree of objectivity and to also look at our luminescence with a degree of objectivity and to welcome them both as whole human beings. Sound like a good time? I think so. Alrighty, friends, let's set the intention for our practice today with a beautiful sentiment of metta. And this is my bowl of metta, metta, is loving-kindness, one of the limitless qualities that we try to cultivate in a Buddhist practice. This one's one of my favorites. Okay, 
Here's the here's the photograph. Here's the picture. I I really want to be a painter someday, but this is all I do. <laughs> Doodle. That's all I can manage. And this one is blank. And what that means is you get to write a sentiment of loving kindness for yourself. So our practice today is going to clear away enough debris, enough noise, enough chatter that your own inner wisdom, your own bodhicitta, that soft wounded heart, can say something to yourself that is loving, that is kind. Everybody up for it? Yeah? Yeah, we can do it? We can do it. Let's do it. Let's invite the chime to sing. And I invite you all to settle into your practice. And that might mean lying down. And that might mean falling asleep. And I'd like to, you don't need my permission for any of this, but if you feel a little doubtful or insecure, you have my permission to rest, to ease into this practice. The journey of recovery is enormously stressful. It is arduous. It has many places of danger. To keep going on this journey requires a certain degree of spiritual warriorship. And a spiritual warrior in this context has weapons that are driven by the mind a sharp mind. The protection comes from the heart, which paradoxically is not armored. A spiritual heart is an open heart. That doesn't mean it's unprotected. It doesn't mean that it's unguarded. What guards the open heart is confidence. Sada is the word. Wholeheartedness. And to access that, friends, it's so easy to embody it. And what you do, whether you're lying down, whether you're sitting down, whether you're moving, take this moment with me. Roll your shoulders up toward your ears. Roll them back. And feel the muscles around the top of the chest, below the collarbone, open up and roll your shoulders down and feel the openness at the level of the heart. You might feel emotions arising and that might feel uncomfortable, especially if the emotions involve any degree of weeping, sorrow, regret. Many of us have spent years 
putting those particular emotions, uh, wanting to breathe at the level of the heart, well-contained, lid on tight, padlocks everywhere, push down. And so to be open, to unarmor those, to take the lid off those feelings can be overwhelming, scary even. I'm sitting here today with no doubt in my mind of the resiliency you all possess to be with those emotions one moment at a time. Allow your attention to gently turn inward toward your manner of breathing. We have a Sangha member in the Spokane Sangha who many years ago said something that I will never forget. It was just so endearing. He said, yeah, you know, I used to think I had to be all Buddha-y to breathe, to meditate. And so if you're harboring any story that you're not Buddha-y enough, you can smile at that story and let it drop. You are yourself, and you're Buddha-y enough. Today for our practice, I'd like to bring forward something I shared on Facebook in the Recovery Dharma page. And it was inspired by a meme that I read that was resonant with a teaching of Pema Chodron that I had been recently listening to. And it so perfectly resonates with our practice this month. The meme reads, It takes a tremendous amount of emotional and spiritual maturity to witness in full force the collective shadow of humanity and keep your heart open. Friends, I would like to add that it takes a tremendous amount of emotional and spiritual maturity to witness in full force the shadow within each of us as individuals and keep your heart open. And by having an open heart, as I said, we feel more something that we're not used to doing. And not only that, we allow space for regret to arise, memory, humiliation, humility. But what we also bring forward with an open heart is patience, leniency, forgiveness. 
What's really fascinating, to me anyway, is when the heart is closed, we cannot forgive. So in that space of lacking in leniency, lacking in forgiveness, we make excuses. We exercise avoidance and aversion. We do all kinds of things to hide away from our behavior. And by not understanding it, we only feel shame and guilt. Having an open heart enables us to get curious, to be gentle, to gain access to some understanding about the things that we do. And humans are weird. You're weird. I'm weird. And it's okay. That's what makes us whole. That's what makes us mysterious and magical and divine. What I shared and wrote, I'd like to read for you all today. I wrote, I was listening to Pema Chodron recently discuss this exact meme. She used the word brave. It is a brave thing to sit quietly and reflect on the conditions of one's life that dictate the malcontent, misery, and boredom we experience. We come to Recovery Dharma to understand our relationship to habit energy through the practice of Buddhism. The practices help us create space around our habitual tendencies so we become less and less reactive, less grasping, less clinging, less judgmental, less harsh. By having some space to breathe and see a little more clearly, we can access a little more objectivity and neutrality toward ourselves and everyone else. A little bit of neutrality helps calm and tame the immature ego whose voice has been governing for long enough. Calming and taming the immature ego invites our Buddha nature a presence. Our Buddha nature is wise, infinite, patient, unconditional, and reminds us constantly of our resilience, our resourcefulness, our creativity, and our limitless capacity for qualities that heal and transform. These qualities soften the heart. When the heart is softer, it opens and our bodhicitta becomes the governing force. Bodhicitta, the soft, wounded heart in us all, recognizes that all of humanity is just like me, and I am just like it. one of my favorite sayings and practices just like me I can see someone's confusion just like me when I'm confused I hear the aggression 
in someone's tone, just like me and my capacity to be aggressive and harsh toward myself, particularly toward myself in the privacy of my own mind. I see someone so joyful and compassionate, just like me. I see someone with extraordinary talent for whatever it is, cooking, art, athleticism, just like me. I don't have to be just like them. I have to be just like me and bring forward my talent. My talent, friends, isn't athletic. My talent is creative and deeply connected to nature. I watch someone lose their temper, raise their voice, maybe even say things they regret and wish they could take back. Oh, just like me, I've done that. I see someone roll their eyes in disgust and scorn and lack of understanding, just like me. I witness someone reach out with extraordinary tenderness and patience and presence, just like me. The whole of you, the whole of me, is a extraordinary constellation of light and dark playing with one another. None of us are all dark, none of us are all light. We are wonderful mixtures. But we are regaining and reclaiming some new footing on ground that is unfamiliar. Maybe not even totally trustworthy. We're not used to kindness. We're not used to acceptance. We're not used to welcoming and belonging We've spent some time rejecting all of that, ignoring all of that, creating conditions where that just blows up. But we are all here because we have an aspiration to do something different. And so we practice. And the practice is nothing more then coming into the body, taking note of the mood and the mind and the stories we have. And maybe 
making a little bit of space today in this moment for the wisdom of our Buddha nature, for the voice of our bodhicitta, to speak truth. Friends, what's coming forward for me as a sentiment of loving kindness toward myself is this. The ember of light within me has existed since beginningless time. Sometimes it has illuminated a path for me with a light no brighter than a candle. Sometimes in this life it has been a dumpster fire. Sometimes it has been a field fire, prairie fire, that has been both destructive and healing. Sometimes it has flickered. Sometimes it's been warm. Sometimes it has barely hung on. But always the ember within me, the light that is me, has existed since beginningless time and shall for all time. And just like me, your light too exists and lives in the same way.
Alrighty, friends, let's go ahead and end our practice today with a dedication of merit. And I just want to speak to everyone here today, um, particularly friends who are new, who are joining us, and this practice is so unique and so different than the typical framework around a standard journey of recovery. We are really uh, reimagining what recovery can look like, what support looks like. Uh, the Buddhist principles really open us up to present time awareness. It's a slower approach. And the slowness of this approach is designed for its sustainability. So it requires patience and presence. And at the end of our practice, we dedicate this outward and inward, remembering and taking stock of, wow, just coming here and practicing, just experiencing this. Even if it didn't resonate completely, something is healing, something is transforming because we've taken the time to do nothing else but slow down, breathe, clear away a degree of clutter, listen to the shared experiences of others, hear something that might have resonated deeply or set the stage for an aha moment later. It is profound. And so rather than keep this just for ourselves, as if we are the only ones that need healing, we take it in deeply and we remember that this transformation that we're already experiencing will be carried out into the day. The people you interact with at the store today might sense something in your presence. The way you drive on the road, the way you wave to the, the postal worker, the way you might have to interact with somebody after being on hold on the telephone, the way you engage your family and your friends. All of these things can be slightly shifted for something more gentle, something more present, something more loving. It is a practice. Today we heard perfection as a, a plaguing notion. So remember, friends, the adage practice makes perfect is nonsensical because practice only makes practice. And that's the joy of the imperfection and the perfection play. Thank you so much for your practice today, friends. Have a beautiful rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Namaste.